You're listening to Haaretz Weekly. I'm Amir Tibon. On today's episode, terror attacks in Jerusalem and southern Israel, Palestinians killed in IDF raids all across the occupied territories, a soldier filmed punching an Israeli left-wing activist in the city of Hebron, and tensions between the Israeli defense establishment and the country's next Minister of Internal Security. Israel looks these days like a country on the verge of a major security crisis, with a deterioration in the Palestinian arena, the most likely scenario for the incoming far-right government led by Benjamin Netanyahu. To discuss this looming crisis and how it could escalate very quickly, we'll have with us Amos Arel, Haaretz's chief national security analyst. We'll also discuss Netanyahu's plans regarding Iran and where the Biden administration will have to watch closely this new government. All of that coming up next. Hi, Amos Arel. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Amir. I always say that when your name appears a lot in the newspaper and on Haaretz.com, and that's been happening a lot in the last uh, weeks, that's never a good sign for Israel. Unfortunately, right. And you've been writing a ton uh, in the last few weeks. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the situation in the territories. We're going to talk about this new government. I want to start with this um, ongoing terror wave. And uh, last week, uh, we saw pictures that we haven't seen in Israel in a long time uh, with that uh, explosion uh, at a bus station in Jerusalem. Um, and uh, it doesn't seem like there is an end in sight to what's been happening. This is not going away anytime soon. I think that perhaps it's time to speak about a possibly a third intifada. I'm quite cautious about that because I was wrong before. In 2015 to 2016, you remember, there was a six-month wave of attacks. More than 40 Israelis killed at that time. These were mostly stabbings and cases in which um, Palestinian terrorists ran over pedestrians. It looked like a third intifada, and suddenly it died down. But this time, it's longer, eight months, and the biggest change is that it's an armed intifada. Uh, the fact that there are so many weapons everywhere in the West Bank means that everybody, almost everybody has access to uh, guns. And this is why more and more people are getting killed on the Israeli side. On the other hand, I wouldn't say that the army is, um, you know, uh, has a light finger on the trigger, but it is shooting uh, quite a lot of uh, Palestinians, more than 140 deaths since the beginning of the year. And this is becoming a big issue. Specifically about Jerusalem, this was a bomb planted, and two bombs planted and at two different uh, that, that's, stations. That's different. We haven't seen that. Even with the shooting attacks that you mentioned, uh, it looked like a person you know, having a weapon and going somewhere and starting to shoot at people. Whereas this kind of attack, you know, hiding a bomb at a bus station requires more preparation and probably more than one person to be I involved. would assume that this uh, there were three or four people behind such an attack, and we st- were still waiting to see what uh, Shin Bet has found out, uh, but there's a possibility that this is actually an organized group, that this may be the act of Hamas or Islamic Jihad, uh, maybe East Jerusalemites with um, um, the possibility to move around uh, Jerusalem more easily who are behind the attack. And this is troubling, first of all, because it happens in Jerusalem. Secondly, because Hamas may be involved. And thirdly, because, as you said, this could be more lethal. I'm not sure that the actual explosives were prepared by professionals. But the danger is there, and we could see a repeat, potentially, of those horrific scenes that we remember from the Second Intifada. 
And we are recording this on a Thursday afternoon here at the Haaretz offices in Tel Aviv. This morning, uh, an IDF raid in uh, Jenin uh, ends in the death of two Islamic Jihad militants. And I have to tell you, uh, when that happens, uh, for people like myself who live on the Israeli uh, border with Gaza, we start to get into some kind of an alert because we remember that in the past, situations like this in the West Bank eventually led to deterioration with Gaza. Is that also on the menu? It's, it's a possibility. We've seen before Islamic Jihad using this as an excuse for uh, retaliation uh, from Gaza. I'm not sure that Gaza is top of the list right now, but there was an incident last week where a worker from Gaza, somebody with a permit for the first time, to work was arrested. Israel. Yeah, was arrested after trying to plant a bomb in a bus in Beersheba. And it turns out that he was sent there by Islamic Jihad. This is the first case of its kind since the beginning of the year when Israel began allowing workers from Gaza to enter uh, its borders. So this is troubling as well, the potential of Gazan involvement in incidents inside Israel uh, could be dangerous, especially with a new government that's already promised to be much tougher on Palestinian terrorism. So, yeah, you, you're leading us to, I think, the biggest question, which is how is, will this incoming Netanyahu government, uh, which relies on the support of the far-right uh, religious Zionism party, deal with this ongoing terror wave and uh, this IDF uh, operation in the West Bank. I, I think, it, you know, we call it an operation, but it's just night after night of raids and arrests. And like you said, a lot of death on the Palestinian side. Um, and to me, when I look at that situation, and then I bring into the picture people like Itamar Ben-Gvir, who is going to be our next uh, um, internal security minister, but with... National security. National, that's, yeah, that's the new title, and with greater authority also on the border uh, police in the West Bank. It looks to me like a um, pretty dangerous situation. Yeah, look, it's, it's still a mystery, because had we had this talk two years ago... I would say what you see is what you get. It's the old Netanyahu. There's always a huge gap between the rhetoric that can be quite tough and the actions. Remember, it's the same guy who um, had three massive military operations in Gaza, but never tried to reoccupy Gaza or uh, challenge the Hamas regime there. He promised he would yeah. topple Hamas, but he never actually he carried was, through. Uh, usually much more cautious than he appeared to be. And but also on Iran, you know, we true. heard the bravado and the talk, but Israel under his Lebanon uh, leadership well. never Lebanon actually, as well. Yeah. Omert got us uh, entangled in this uh, stupid war in Lebanon in 2006. Wouldn't have happened to Netanyahu. But the what's up, different now? It's the new Netanyahu. He's back in power. Some people would talk of hubris and so on. It's not the issue. The issue is that his main goal is to get out of this alive, get out of jail alive, but remain you're, you're out of you're jail. You're referring to the three criminal uh, yeah. cases in the Jerusalem yeah. District Court and, that and he needs to get rid of. Yeah, and this is an imminent threat for his uh, well-being, if you'd like. And in order to prevent those legal proceedings from going on, he had this unholy alliance with Smotrich and Benkville. And now, to some extent, he's been blackmailed by them in order to show more strength towards Palestinians. And God knows where this could be heading. Again, the old Netanyahu cautious experience and so on, you know, I wouldn't have uh, been too worried about this. Under the new circumstances, uh, we'll have to see. We s heard what Netanyahu said yesterday to Barry Weiss. Um, Defense will be in my hands, yeah, in the Likud's message, hands, the I'm message, the boss. The message was, it's the old Netanyahu, you guys know, you, know me, you may not like me too much, 
but um, I'm responsible. Yeah, yeah, I'm responsible. This is Israel's safety is and security is in good hands, and so on. I'm I'm not convinced yet. We'll have to see what the power structure looks like once Benkvir and Smotrich are part of the not only the government but the security cabinet. And we've seen uh, Benkvir sending um, uh, worrying signs. The, his whole attitude and statements towards the army's top brass in recent days shows that he's trying to, to, you know, he's trying to show that the rules of the game have changed. Yeah, I want to ask you about that in a second. I do want to say, you know, Netanyahu, Haaretz has never been a very uh, friendly territory for Netanyahu, but I will say, Amos, that you over the years always wrote what you just said here, which is that Netanyahu uh, showed restraint and uh, usually did not play... Uh, the populist card on security issues, but we have seen some deterioration over the years. Uh, you were very critical at the time, for example, when he put the uh, relationship with Jordan at risk, changing the procedure of how people go into the Temple Mount, uh, and this incident a few years ago with an Israeli security guard in Jordan that he you know, uh, got a picture with him, and this was the influence of his uh, very populist and influential uh, son. And I think you know, the biggest question really is Netanyahu now, coming back to power with any lessons learned from those experiences or, like you said, with an approach of I can get, you know, whatever I want? I'm not sure that he's that sure of himself. But uh, on the other hand, there's not so much room for maneuvering considering Smotrich and Bankville. But look, there's also a new Bankville. For example, it was just published on Israeli radio that tonight, first day, there's going to be a reception for the UAE's Independence Day, and Bankville not only has been invited, but is intending to come. However, on the other hand, you can see the old um, Bankville escaping every now and then, that was quite evident in his uh, recent clashes with the top brass of the idea. So let's talk about that. It all started when an Israeli soldier in Hebron, in the West Bank, was filmed punching uh, a left-wing activist in the face while his comrade uh, says, uh, you guys are done with, Ben Gvir is going to come in and get rid of you. Um, and the soldiers are under investigation. I think one of them was sent to 10 days in prison, and Ben Gvir has been very critical of the military leadership for punishing these soldiers. Uh, and you wrote this morning a very important article that I encourage the listeners to find on haaretz.com, basically saying that Ben Gvir's vision, what he's trying to do here, is to create a military where the soldiers can do whatever they want to Palestinians in the occupied territories, to uh, activists who are trying to support them, and there are no repercussions, um, and uh, this is against the wishes of the military leadership that wants to have control and order and soldiers that follow uh, orders and commands. Yes, this is what uh, Bengvir is up to. He's sending a message to the soldiers. We got your back. Uh, we will support you, whatever the circumstances are. At the same time, he's also taking advantage of the situation. This played into his hands beautifully. I mean, the whole discussion, this video, which was run hundreds of times on Israeli TV, of the soldiers saying, this is Bengvir time. From now on, he's the boss. Uh, so it's no wonder that he went, he rushed a, into... A, a man, let's just remind the listeners, who never served in the Israeli military. And also uh, and, and also was uh, indicted quite a few times for all yeah, kinds investigated of Investigated uh, for all, yeah, and activities. was under surveillance by the, the, the you know, intelligence uh, here in Israel. And now he's trying to show the military chiefs that he's the boss. Exactly. And this... Um, battle, if you like, is fought against Aviv Kohavi, the chief of staff, who's about to end his term in mid-January. Kohavi never showed too much interest in uh, what happened in the territories. It was never top priority for him. But suddenly, 
this whole issue returns to control his activities and forces him to focus on that. And right now he's been quite militant in recent days at defending the army's core values and so on. In my view, and I assume also in yours, this is happening very late. It should have- It, it, it looks like a bit of a legacy issue now. I mean, yeah, he, he should have uh, made this, uh, t- uh, taken this stand uh, two or three years ago. There were enough cases in which that was needed. And Netanyahu, you wrote, He's silent. He's from the UN. He's, not in, he's neutral in yeah, this story. Yeah, he tweeted something very short and quite ambiguous uh, yesterday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, five days after the story and the scandal broke, where he called upon all parties uh, not to involve the IDF with politics. Nobody, you know, if you came here mean? from Mars, yeah. uh, what, what is he talking about? Nobody, nobody knows. That was it. That was quite vague. And as you mentioned, his son, the heir apparent, um, a few days back, was also quite vocal, um, attacking very aggressively yeah, uh, re- Kohavi on Twitter. Retweeting, you know, uh, accounts that really Violent lashed, and lashed aggressive the, yeah, attacks. Yeah, in terrible language. Yeah. And of course, no word from Netanyahu. Of course. And uh, the, the man who is going to um, succeed Kohavi, uh, Herzia Levy, and, you know, most of our listeners probably have never heard his name, but you'll be hearing it a lot. Although the New York Times, it, 10 years ago, had his profile as the future chief of staff of the IDF, I, I have to say that I had some contribution to that story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was an interesting article yeah. at the time. Yeah. Is he up to the task to stand up to these far-right forces that are trying to change the balance of power within the military and realizing he's not going to have the backing of the prime minister? He's going to be alone in this uh, battle. Look, he's the only guy we have. We, meaning Israelis, he's the defender. He's the guardian, if you'd like, of the democracy. It's not uh, the army or the military in Turkey, uh, but he will be have to. Uh, he, he will have to be very, very aware of these issues. I'm, I'm sure that he's already preparing himself for the challenge. Not only him, but also the head of Shin Bet, the Internal Security Services, Ronan uh, Bal who already started on the wrong foot with the Netanyahu's, I think these two um, senior officials are going to be very, very important um, under the, the, the new circumstances, this new Israel that Netanyahu is leading. So if we're going back to the days when Netanyahu is clashing with his uh, defense chiefs, or maybe now it will be Ben-Gvir doing the clashes and mm-hmm. Netanyahu looking from the side, that also brings us to the Iran question. Um, no Iran deal... Uh, in the horizon. I think we agree on that. And it seems like President Biden agrees as well. Um, Netanyahu is again making noises that uh, Israel will do whatever it takes. Um, are we going back to, uh, you know, uh, counting uh, backward toward the doomsday uh, scenarios, yeah, p- potential doomsday military clock. strike? I don't think so. Not yet. I may be wrong on this. But remember, again, the the, the difference between uh, talking the talk and walking the walk. It's yeah. It was always an issue with Netanyahu. Of course, Tzachi Hanegbi, who claims to be close to Netanyahu, uh, published an article in the Idiot Acharonot, our competition, yeah, he's uh, a, for, a month he's ago. A, for, a former Likud member yeah, of Knesset. Yeah, saying that this was Netanyahu's uh, life mission, that once he's back in office, he will fight this and he will do everything in his power to prevent uh, another Holocaust, meaning to stop the Iranian nuclear site, including um, using the use of force. It remains to be seen. I don't think it's on the agenda right now. I think the Biden, the Biden administration is very far from uh, believing something like this is necessary. We will see a lot of, hear a lot of noise from the Israeli side, a lot of threats, a lot of reports 
like the one published yesterday about joint exercises and practicing uh, strikes against Iran and so on. If Iran doesn't make too many um, uh, stupid mistakes, I don't think we'll get there. Well, and that's an interesting question then, because um, Netanyahu, you've been very critical of his uh, you know, encouragement of Trump in 2018 to exit the previous nuclear deal, and now we're in a vacuum where the Iranians are enriching and pushing forward. I mean, at, one, at some point, I think there's going to be pressure on him, even from the historical legacy point of view, to, to, to take a decision, because otherwise that is what we will be remembered of him, that he is the one who... You know, on his which, watch. Yeah, and on his watch it happened, and with his encouragement. Look, it's a very complicated situation, and the Iranians are not contributing, even if you look at it from their perspective, to any kind of solution, because recently they've enriched uranium, they've decided that this will be done in another site in Fodou, on top of the work they've been doing in Natanz. Uh, they've supplied all those weapons to the Russians, so they're on the wrong side of the fence regarding Ukraine. And there's also the question of those, uh, this domestic protest that have been very brutal uh, trying to contain. There have been more than 400 deaths of uh, civilians there. So they're not making any new friends in the West. And I think their, their recent activities are seen among Europeans and in, in Washington as, as direct provocations against the West. So... In a sense, this will be up to Biden to decide where where uh, this is going. It's still troubling for Israel because the Iranians are getting so close to that next red line of producing uh, 90% uh, enriched uranium, meaning one sufficient quality of a bomb. This is getting to be uh, a major issue again. Amos, last question. We're talking about threats pretty far away. What about the threat of another a outbreak of violence within Israel between Jewish and Arab citizens, like we saw the, in, in the last days of the previous Netanyahu government May, in, uh, in Guardian May of the Walls. May 2021. Yes, when we saw this unprecedented outbreak. How worried are you about that scenario? I'm, look, I'm always worried, and I'm more worried than before under this uh, possible new government. And I think a lot of this has to do with the situation on the Temple Mount. If Benkvir, as the new minister, attempts to reach the Al-Aqsa Mosque and so on, then it may create havoc all over the, the place, both on the Palestinian arena and among uh, Arab-Israeli citizens. We've seen a taste of what could happen last year. I think there's a danger that this would uh, happen again. And the fact that Netanyahu has allowed somebody with those pyromaniac uh, tendencies to enter not only the government, but actually the, the, the smaller security cabinet is quite uh, troubling. People who are familiar with the old Netanyahu were quite surprised at this, but this goes back to what we claimed in, in the beginning of this uh, talk, which is uh, that it's mostly about saving himself from prison. Yeah. Well, let's hope maybe the United Arab Emirates uh, manages to somehow calm down Mr. Benkvir. <laughs> that's, that's what we have left. <laughs> Amos Ariel, thank you so much for joining us, and I encourage the listeners to um, go on arts.com subscribe, uh, get a writer alert for Amos so you can keep following these fascinating issues. Thank you. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you listeners for being with us. And thanks to Nahara Malkin and Shani Aviram, our production and editing team. We'll be back again next week. And until then, Shalom from Tel Aviv. Thank you.